Welcome to Real Talk About Feminism, a podcast for female empowerment. We're your hosts, Mackenzie and Haley. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Now, let's get into some real talk. Welcome back, everyone. New week, new episode. We're excited to be here. This is episode 46. We are so happy you're here. Thank you so much for tuning in. This episode is going to be a very important one, and I think a long-awaited one. I know you've had a lot, a lot, a lot of questions about this. Mm -hmm. Haley's going to be giving a case update about her sexual assault case. And And also just the sexual assault issue at BYU-Idaho. Yes. So. That's a huge part. Sorry. Yeah. (laughs) That's like the whole thing. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Let's just get into the feminist highlight. Mm -hmm. So, um, as we mentioned last week, with it being Black History Month, we are focusing on Black women for this month for the highlights. And today's highlight is Alice Coachman. Does that name sound familiar to you? Maybe. Okay. I wanted to ask because it was familiar to me. But I actually really enjoyed, like, actually digging in and yeah. getting her history. So she is the first black woman from any country to win an Olympic gold medal. She competed at the 1948 Olympic Games in London. She was born in Georgia in 1923, where Jim Crow laws were very much in place. She couldn't practice at a training facility because she was black, so she would run on dirt roads, and she even made her own hurdles. Wow. Yeah, because I think, like, she knew she was passionate about running and athletics and so she found a way to do it. She was offered a scholarship for Tuskegee high school when she was only 16 years old and she trained on their all black team because there was segregation laws. In addition to competing in track and field in college, she also played basketball. She won four national championships in sprinting and high jump. She earned her degree in dressmaking, and then she later went back to school, and she earned her BS in home economics, and she minored in science. Wow, she did a lot. Yeah, all around really great woman. She won the Olympic gold medal in high jump, and her jump was 5 feet 6 and 1 eighth inch, and this also set an Olympic record. Wow. In her career, she won 34 national titles and was inducted into nine different halls of fame. She's also the first black woman to endorse an international product. She was a spokesperson for Coca-Cola. Ooh, cool. Athletics beside aside, she also had two children with her husband, and she founded the Alice Coachman Track and Field Foundation, and this helps young athletes. And she passed away in 2014 when she was 90 years old. Wow, she lived an amazing life. She did, and she overcame so much. Like mm-hmm. literally everything was stacked against her. And against all odds, like, she shined, and she beat records, and made a name for herself. Thank you for telling us about her, because that's really cool. We're going to get into the update, and just a trigger warning, we are going to be talking about sexual assault and rape. Um, So if that's something that is triggering for you, then you probably do not want to listen. We have done a few, we've done two other episodes early down. Um, if you go to the first 10 episodes, then you'll see two episodes about sexual assault. Um, so if you want to go back and listen to those as well, then you can. But today we're going to talk about my, a little bit about my case and about a video that I posted, um, in November. So I guess let's just get into it. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. So in November, 
Um, I, so I had been in therapy. I'm still in therapy, but I had been in therapy and I knew that the one year anniversary of my sexual assault was coming up. And one of the ways that helps me heal is through activism and speaking out, um, especially if it's something that I know I can help other people with, then I don't want to stay silent. So I decided one night I was not sleeping very well, um, as you can imagine, leading up to the few weeks before. And so I woke up in the middle of the night one night and I was just so angry at my assaulter and at the school, BYU-Idaho, for how the whole situation went down. And so I just literally started open my phone notes and started typing. And then that turned into the video. And I didn't change anything in what I typed. Like, I read it exactly as how I typed it originally because that's how I felt exactly. Um, So I decided to record me reading this letter and post it on Instagram. And it's titled, um, A Letter to My Assaulter and to BYU-Idaho. And in the video, I think it was about 7 to 12 minutes long. I don't know. I think it was like 10. Yeah. 9 or 10. Yeah, around there. And in the video, I just talked about um I addressed my assaulter without saying his name but you know I let him know how much he hurt me but that I'm not gonna be put down and I'm gonna continue to speak out and then most of the video I focused on talking about the school um so for those of you who don't know I was attending BYU-Idaho um which is a private Christian school, and it's a very small town, and um, it's one of the requirements is, like, you have to go to church every week to maintain your status at the school. You you can't attend classes if you're not going to church, and so it's just very religious, and um, not saying that's a bad thing, but that's that's the focus there, and so I was out there. Um, I went out, I moved out there September 2020. And then in November of 2020, I was sexually assaulted in my apartment by another student who was also working on campus. And um, then I reported it to the police. I reported it to the school. And um, unfortunately, I didn't go get any medical testing done to collect DNA. And so nothing came of it. And he is still out there. So, um, that's a little brief overview, but to get the timeline of it, the assault happened in November of 2020, and then I was out in Rexburg until the very end of June of 2021, and I moved back home. And I ended up moving back home because I was so filled with anxiety 24-7. I never left my apartment, and if I did, it was literally to go to work, and I tried to cover up my face with a mask and, like, put a hood up as much as possible because I was so scared of being seen by someone. Um, Being seen by my assaulter, first off, because I had a restraining order against him and I didn't want him to retaliate against me. And also, I was scared of being seen by anyone else because if you go back and listen to the episode about the March for Empowerment um, that I led, I also received threats on social media after that that there they were empty threats and I don't want to get into them, but I was just scared Mm -hmm. because people had threatened me and 
which is so upsetting, by the way, for someone to threaten you and say that they're going to, like, find you and rape you because you're speaking out against rape and sexual assault. Like, who in their right mind thinks that that is okay? It makes me, like, lose faith in humanity because, seriously, it's like, Mm -hmm. obviously you're vulnerable. Right. And they're just going to, like, dig the knife in deeper. Right. So, yeah, so I I just never left my apartment. I was just constantly paranoid. Um, I was diagnosed with anxiety disorder. Like, it was bad. It was the lowest point for me that I've ever been at. And so I had to come home. And before I came home, I wrote an email and I put every single higher up on the school that I could find their email addresses And I sent an email and I said, I'm upset because I'm leaving my friends. I'm leaving my college experience because I'm so paranoid that my assaulter still is on campus. Like, that's the reason. And so many other women have the same experience and leave Mm -hmm. because of that. And your students should not be afraid to go, go to work on campus or go to classes. Like, that is, that's not how it should be. So I sent that email and I, it got forwarded to the Title IX office who I, had already spoken with and I that's who everyone reports to and so I was just frustrated because I was like when is someone gonna hear literally all of these voices coming together bringing attention to this issue Mm -hmm. and I feel like because it's a Christian school it gets put on the back burner and it gets dismissed because um I'll go into this a little bit more but one of the reasons why there's no sexual assault consent training required for students at BYU-Idaho. According to the the head of the Title IX office, he said because it's a Christian school and they don't want to talk about sex, like they stuff like that, because technically at the school you, you don't... One of the rules is you're yeah. supposed to live a chaste life. Yes. And that means like no sexual activity. Yeah, no sexual activity before marriage. Right. And so he was like, yeah, we would love to do mandatory consent training, but we we don't want to like talk about sex and talk about like these vulgar issues because it's a private school. And a lot of times like rape and sexual assault includes drugs and alcohol and we're a dry, cam- a dry campus. So we don't want to bring attention to that. That, though, is why there's so many issues because they just hide it. They sweep it under the rug. Mm -hmm. It's like if you don't talk about it, then, of course, people are going to get away with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's why I was upset. I was like, I I get it. But just because it's, I mean, I went to parties out there. It's not like people aren't drinking and doing drugs. People are going to do it anyway. Right. So, like, it just made me frustrated and... So we'll get into that conversation a little bit more with the actual school. But um, basically, after I posted the video, um, I was urging people to tag the school because I was like, I'm not going to just not be heard. Right. And I was so scared to post the video, like so scared because I don't want like that's a very personal thing. And after I posted the video, like I went on dates and just I know that like my Instagram is out there. I know I look people up before dates and Yeah, yeah, it's normal. And I was just like like that was my big thing. I was like I don't want them to look on my Instagram and see like oh she was sexually assaulted. Like I don't want that to be my identity. Mhm. And but I couldn't be silent about it. 
And so, um, yeah, I posted the video. It ended up getting 66,000 views, 2,900 likes, um, almost 800 comments, and over 1,000 shares. And the shares were just people putting it on their story and tagging the school. Yes. And then people flooding the comments, tagging the school. And then people even started flooding BYU-Idaho Instagram comments and saying, like, yes. that's great. Like, they would be like, oh, this devotional was really great today. And they'd be like, that's great. But have you listened to at Haley Page? Like, and they would tag me. And people started flooding their comments, too. Yeah, and DMs and everything. Mm-hmm. Like, just, like, going at the school. Right. And it was just amazing something else i want to say like literally even parents Mm -hmm. like so many people right yeah people um so after i posted the video less than an hour after the video went up i got a call from the rexburg police station um wanting to set up a meeting to talk about the video because i had said that nobody does anything there's no action ever the police don't do anything the school doesn't do anything but that's all I said about the police um and so they said well we want to set up a meeting with you like to go over open your case whatever um and he said we got a call from a concerned parent asking why we didn't take care of you oh my gosh and that was less than an hour and I actually really appreciated that like they were really on top of it yeah and so yeah there and um when I talked to the title nine office um he said that I had set off like a forest fire of like just calls to the school saying like, why didn't you take care of this girl? Like what's going on? What What is the school doing? All this stuff. And that's exactly what I wanted to happen. Right. Because it's not about me. It's about the school talking about it. Yes. They need to be held accountable. It doesn't freaking matter that you're a Christian school. Mm-hmm. You need to be held accountable and people are going to do very, very awful things, no matter what religion you're affiliated with. Right. No matter what. It doesn't matter. Right. So it doesn't help to just sweep it under the rug. Obviously, like, there's a whole group of women just at BYUI. I'm sure at mm-hmm. other BYU campuses. And this is just people who have spoken up. Right. Right. So there's so many people that, like, you helped by simply sharing the video and, like, putting off this chain of events. Mm-hmm. And... So I I was overwhelmed with the amount of support that I was getting and I the amount of people tagging the school, commenting, messaging me. Like it was crazy. And like literally hundreds of people. And it was nice because not one time on the the day that I posted the video which was the anniversary of the assault, not one time did I th- did I think like, oh, this is such a hard day. Like, you know, and I knew it would, it was a hard time leading up, but I was so lifted up by hundreds of people mm-hmm. that that day wasn't as hard for me because I felt like, wow, I have a lot of people around me supporting me. Yeah. And it was, it was just really nice. So, um, I was really overwhelmed by support. Um, and it did get kind of overwhelming just reading everyone's stories because it just made me more angry that there's so many people and like the issue just isn't getting talked about Mm -mm. and there was so many women and men too 
mostly women, but there were some men who were sharing their stories in the comments or messaging me their stories. Like this happened to me. This happened to my sister. This happened to my roommate, my friend at BYU Idaho. And it it's just, it got really devastating to just recognize how many people are affected by it. It feels like if you weren't assaulted or raped at BYU Idaho, then you know someone who was. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's not true, but that's what it felt like reading all the stories. And so I did end up having to take a little like break from it. I didn't want to lose the momentum, but it did get just so overwhelming. And I was like, I need to just be off social media for a little bit or off of Instagram. And so I just, I just didn't open the app at all. I like removed it from my home screen and for a few days, just like detox and kind of like took things in. Um, so after the video was posted, um, like I said, the police, they called me, we talked about reopening the case, um, but there was a statute of limitations and so, and it was a year and it was the year anniversary. So I couldn't reopen the case. Mm -hmm. Um, even though I had discovered someone else who was assaulted by him. So the case could have been stronger, but it's not. So, um, that, that's what happened with the police. Um, and then I think it was about a week and a half after the video was posted that the school reached out to me. Um, and it was the Title IX coordinator who I have already spoken to when I reported it. Because isn't he, isn't it like one guy in the department? Yes, it's like one guy and then a therapist that like he refers people to if they want to like talk things through. She like specializes in like sexual assault, I think. Um so she's listed on the website, but it's him and her, but he takes all the reports. Mm. So he reached out to me like a week and a half later and I had a meeting with him. So I do want to go over some of the stuff that I talked with the Title IX office about. And I know that I need to have another meeting with them, but I'm trying to balance this line of leaving Rexburg in my past because it's an extremely toxic place for me, but also keeping the activism going. And I'm trying to figure out, do I keep things going there or do I move on and do something bigger? And so that's what I'm trying to figure out right now because I don't want to stop the momentum. But um, I have only met with them once and or with him once. And one of the things that I think is really important that the Title IX office needs to do is so just to go over briefly the structure of like the ecclesiastical side of it just a little bit. If you don't understand anything about the LDS faith. there's different wards that they just split people up. It's different groups, basically, because there's mm-hmm. literally thousands of people that need to go to church on Sunday, but they don't have enough churches. So we meet in different classrooms and they're split up called wards. And then they have leadership over the wards and the bishop is the leader. And every year you have to get an ecclesiastical endorsement. So you have to meet with your bishop and just go over all of the like the school rules again and make sure that you're worthy to still attend. Um, BYUI. Yes. Like a BYU campus. Yes, to attend a BYUI or a BYU campus. Yes. Um, and this happens every year and everyone has to do it. Um, but there are a lot of, you know, everyone has their own opinions 
But in my opinion and in a lot of people's opinion, sexual assault is sexual assault and rape is rape. But unfortunately, there are leaders that don't believe that. And so there are girls that will go in and have their ecclesiastical endorsement and have their meeting with their bishop and confide in their bishop that like this happened to me. I was I was sexually assaulted. And then their bishop will turn it on them and kick them out of school because it wasn't sexual assault. Like they that was premarital sexual relations, but it's not. And so I had talked to the Title IX office about this because that's not okay. And he informed me that if a bishop takes away your ecclesiastical endorsement for rape or sexual assault, then they you can go to the Title IX office and they'll turn it back. Like, you can get it back. But the thing is, like, who wants to do that? Right. If you are going to go and confide in someone that you're supposed to be able to trust, and then all of a sudden they're going to say no that wasn't rape. That was you choosing to have sex with someone. You could have said no or or you could have controlled that. So now I'm taking your, away your endorsement and you can't go to school here anymore. You feel just so belittled at that point. And then you're questioning, wait, am I being dramatic or or do I actually know what happened? Like, am I just confused or I'm embarrassed now because I wasn't listened to? Like, you're not going to want to go and talk again to someone else no. because you're not just going to want to get shut down. And so I had talked about how Title IX needs to have trainings directly with the bishops and with the church leaders. And he said it's really hard because since at a BYU school, there's the school aspect, the church aspect, and then the Title IX aspect. And they're all separate, but they work together. And so it's hard because he said he's not over them at all. But... I don't care. Change the structure and have mandatory trainings with the bishops every year right. and teach them what, how to help, how to encourage girls to report or men, but how to encourage people to report, how to empower them. And even if they don't say anything, but let me refer you to the Title IX coordinator because mm-hmm. then it's like there's no risk of them saying anything negative or hurtful right? and no chance of them spinning it so that it's somehow the victim's fault. Right. The fact that that happens is so sad. Yeah. And so like, and when talking with Title IX, he's like, well, no, you can get that reverse. Like you can get your endorsement back. But, but it's, it's like, like, it shouldn't even have to happen. Yes. It shouldn't have to happen. And the fact that it does is just upsetting. And even if people don't get their endorsements taken away all the way, then people have still gone and confided in their bishop that this happened. And then their bishop makes them feel ashamed for it. Right, and then they have to sit in church every Sunday and look at the bishop, look at their bishop, mm-hmm. and just like not feel like they can go to them anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that is one thing that I think that they need to do and they need to implement. Another thing that we talked about, I talked about with the Title IX office, was um, doing mandatory consent training because. Um, at other schools that I've gone to, in order to register, you have to do, you have to watch videos and take a quiz on what consent is Mm -hmm. and different topics around consent. And I think that that needs to be in place. It's not that hard. And just because we are, just because it is a Christian school doesn't mean that things don't happen. 
And that's the whole issue. People want to turn a blind eye to the problem mm-hmm. and want to ignore it. But there are masses of people who have been affected by this issue and who have left because of it or don't feel safe or don't feel comfortable. So we can't just turn the other way and ignore it just because, well, it's a Christian school. It's it's a private school. We don't want to talk about it. Like it's awkward to talk about sex. It, no. It because rape is not sex. No. Sexual assault is not sexual activity. No. It's a different thing. Those are actions being forced upon you in an extremely vulnerable situation. So it's different than it's not like they're if they were to do consent training, then they're going to be encouraging people, go have sex. Like, ignore the rule of not having premarital relations. Like, go have sex. No. It's talking about what to do if something happens to you and how to recognize, like, where you can get support. Right. That's a huge issue. And I, I just, like, it's hard because you want to believe that they're going to change these things? Like, did he ever say, like, I will do this in order for this to happen? Or was he just like, I'm going to talk to somebody and we'll see what we can do? He said, um, he said, I would love to look at other programs. He said, it's not something that we can just, like, buy a program, like a training course, and add it into everyone's as a requirement for registration because all the other ones that, like, they have consent trainings that you can purchase, but they all include drugs or alcohol. And he was like, we can't talk about that at the school. Why, though? Because it's a dry campus. And but so, that doesn't mean people aren't going to do drugs and drink alcohol. Right. And so he was like, we would have to build something. And I just, like, he was like, we we would just have to build something. But, like, the thing is, like, there's graphic design people. There's people who can build a, a, a training that someone's literally just talking and explaining things. Or, you know, like. And the other thing was, too, he was like, I don't want to just do a slideshow. And, like, he was like, I want it to be interactive and something that is engaging. And I get that. But, like put the resources towards it right or at least just have something mm-hmm. like a boring slideshow is better than nothing mm-hmm. and if it's required people have to watch it right so like put that out for now and then you can build something later right but it can be something that's built for all of the BYU schools I took a, the consent training at BYU Hawaii why can't they use that and their consent training was great they had very very interactive videos so yeah it just sounds like they don't want to put the resources towards it and like they just don't want to take the time. Like mm-hmm. it's not important to them. Yeah. And that's frustrating because it is like okay, make it a priority. Right, and it's also like a lot of religions do this, but like no religion is perfect. Mm-hmm. And there are bad people in every religion just like with you know every part of the world there's bad people every job whatever Mm -hmm. and it doesn't help to just pretend like it's not there like it's not happening right because that just makes you look stupid Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's like there are tons of people coming forward and like you literally like set off a wildfire like he said and like that's still not having any action taken Mm mm-hmm it just really shows like it's not a priority to mm-hmm. them. And they did they did end up I think 
two weeks after I released the video, they ended up having a, like, interactive, like, question and answer session on campus, and it was called a campus conversation about sexual assault, and apparently it was very successful, and there was a good turnout, and the Title IX coordinator said that if I wouldn't have put my video out, then the school wouldn't have seen that as a priority and they wouldn't have made it available that tra- like that Q&A session. And so he thanked me. He was like, I'm thankful that you did that because we got this really cool interactive session out of it. And the school doesn't understand that it needs to be a priority. And I think that genuinely the Title IX coordinator wants there to be more resources. Yes. But the thing is, he's one person. Right. It has to be acknowledged at the school, right. not at the Title IX office, because it's fine. Like he's trying, but at the end of the day, if it's one person saying, we need more resources, we need more of this, we need more of this, the people who actually make the decisions, they don't care. No. And they need to. Right. Like you said, it. he is one person and yeah. he's been extremely kind to you and helpful, but like it needs to be, the message needs to be pushed to the higher ups. And like, we know it is, mm-hmm. they're just not doing anything about it. They're just ignoring it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not okay because you can't just ignore the issue. You got to address it. And so, especially when it's, it's literally like an epidemic almost. It is. I, something I just thought about too. I think they believe that enrollment rates will never drop Mm -hmm. because it's affordable and parents want to send their LDS kids to an LDS school. Mm -hmm. And so I think that they're like, well, we're always going to have students come. Like, what's the big deal? Nothing's going to change. Yeah. And that's one thing too, that I realized, like, not that it's because in our eye, in their eyes, we're just a number, Mm -hmm. but there were so many people who were like, I actually had a mom reach out to me who was like, I'm not sending my kids here. And I'm not saying, I don't want to like completely trash their name and be like, it's a terrible school. No, but like at the same time, if there's this big issue of sexual assault and rape happening and the campus isn't doing anything, I wouldn't want to send my kid there either. No. And it's not just an issue at BYU-Idaho, but the fact is that it's such a small town and such a small school and small community that it's not like I'm going to some big Ivy League school where I'm just like one voice in this huge crowd. Like I got so much attention from this video and so many other people reached out. It's like the school has heard. They're just not listening. Right. They're just not listening. I mean, like you can see on Instagram, like when you tag somebody, it's like it's a DM. Right. And they were opening them. Yes. They were opening it and seeing it and like nothing. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, I just think, you know, continuing to talk about it as hard as it is. Um, but if your school does have a Title IX office, then definitely go and report to them because they can give you resources. Um, but I do want to just quickly talk about like what to do if you have been assaulted or raped. Um, because it really is so important that you report it. And I never want to push anyone. But I do want to just talk about the importance of reporting it early, even though it's hard and it's so uncomfortable. But if you report it, then it increases your likelihood that if someone else reported it, you can have a case against them. Mm-hmm. And because sexual assault and rape is such a private crime, a lot of times there's really no evidence unless you go and get a rape kit done. Right. 
And so if you have multiple people that have the same experience with this one person and you guys all reported it in a timely manner, then you might have a case against them and then maybe they'll be in jail one day. And so I don't want to push anyone to report when they don't feel comfortable, but I do want to say that reporting is the best thing that you can do. And if you have been sexually assaulted or raped, as much as you want to, don't shower, don't change your clothes, don't brush your teeth, um, don't try not to wash your hands even, just keep yourself how you are, go to the hospital and get a rape kit done. And when you get a rape kit done, they have the sexual assault forensic nurse that does it, and they are trained to deal with victims of sexual crimes. Mm -hmm. And so they're very good and they won't make you feel uncomfortable at all. It is an uncomfortable thing, but they're going to do their best to make you feel comfortable and they're always going to get consent before everything. And when you get a rape kit done, that doesn't mean they're going to hand over evidence to the police. They will keep evidence that they collect, any DNA evidence, but they will not give it to the police unless you ask them to give it to them. That's good to know. So even if you just want to go and get a rape kit done to make sure that you don't have any any STDs or just to have the evidence just in case you want to report, then it's just best to go and get that done. So go to the hospital and then if you want to report it, call 911 or walk into your local police station. And I brought someone who I really trusted with me and um, – she walked in with me. She didn't go back when I re- was actually reporting it, but she was there the whole time. So bring someone. Don't go by yourself. You shouldn't have to. Bring someone that you trust and they. you can ask for a female officer, like whatever you need to make you feel more comfortable. Do that. But it really is so important because it strengthen- strengthens your case and it's so scary to report. Like go back and listen to our other sexual assault episodes. It's terrifying because it's not something you ever think you'll have to do. And then next thing you know, you're sitting in a police station talking about something that happened to you the night before when you were taken advantage of. So as scary as it is, it's so important to report. If you need help, you can visit RAIN.org. We talk about RAIN a lot. They're a really great organization. Um, They have a hotline. um, To call the hotline, it's 800-656-4673. And it targets your location. So it will connect you to someone in your area who can give you local resources. So that's the rain.org sexual assault hotline and it's 24/7. So call them anytime they can give you all the information you need to report and they're really good at empowering you to help you feel comfortable. So that is the update, very heavy episode, but we I just wanted to update everyone because the amount of support that I got, I just want to say thank you guys so much and I'm keeping trying to keep the momentum going, and I know that everyone else is too. So let's keep it up and share this episode so that other people can um, learn more about the details of the story and everything that happened with BYU-Idaho and also have these resources at the end about how to report. Thank you so much for that. I know it's not easy to share, Mm -hmm. but you have had so much support and like people still like asking like what's going on, like any updates. And so people still like want to know like how you're doing Mm -hmm. and what BYUI is doing about it. So as Haley said, please share this episode. 
send it to BYUI, even better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they can listen. <laughs> yeah. I doubt they will. They're like, eh, and They're like, delete. <laughs> delete. Um, but it really is important just to, like, remind everybody that, like, this is still going on. Mm-hmm. It's not just one and done. I posted a video and you and the school has seen it, whatever. Yeah. It's still going on. So thank you so much for sharing. Yeah. And as always, thank you guys for listening. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me. I'm always there for anyone who needs some support or you can um, contact contact us through Instagram. So you can definitely reach out to us. But that's all for now. Thank you guys again so much for the support and we will talk to you guys next week. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. Make sure to rate and review and don't forget to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Talk Talk to to you next week. week.